I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment, the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head. I could do my own internal, like, yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears. I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Anna. Anna is a mama of three and one on the way from Colorado, USA. She's currently a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling her oldest. She's a hairstylist and loves interior decorating and home renovations. But above all, she's passionate about home birth and come from a long line of home birthing and free birthing women. In today's episode, Anna shares about falling pregnant the first time and choosing to fly home to Wisconsin to birth her baby in the water at her sister's house. It then took seven years after struggling with secondary infertility before she fell pregnant again. She planned to birth at home in Colorado this time, but at 40 weeks, it was discovered that this little baby decided to be breech. And this meant that she was no longer allowed to have a breech birth at home in Colorado. So again, she hopped on a flight to Wisconsin the next day to have a natural breech birth. She got invited to stay at an experienced breech birth midwife's house and ended up having a wonderful breech birth in the water. When falling pregnant with her third baby, she decided to go back to the same midwife who'd helped her birth her breech baby and had another water birth where she got to catch her own son. Are you planning on having a home birth? Well, then you can download my free home birth checklist that I give to all my mamas who's having a home birth. 
In it, I share how to prepare the birth space and what you need to source for a home birth. I share the best labor stations and nourishment and midwifery insider tips on what will make a world of difference during your labor and birth. Find the link to the download in the show notes. Hi, Anna, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? Great. How are you, Anna? It's funny that we have the same name. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. It's a bit confusing. Yes, how are you going, yes. Anna? Oh, I'm good, Anna. How are you going, Anna? Um, well, I'm good, Anna. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for asking, Anna. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm good. I'm at my little summer cottage. So it's autumn here now, and I have uh, candles lit and my... Um, ginger lemon honey tea and I'm ready to hear some good birth stories and I hear you're coming with some yes yes <laughs> yeah. yeah it's exciting to hear about your three birth stories so yeah with no further ado do you want to take us on the ride and tell us about getting pregnant the first time and you know how you came about thinking that you wanted to have a natural birth was that always what you wanted like how did you end up going on the route of natural birth Sure. I, um, I grew up in a big family. Um, my grandma actually had 16 kids and then my mom had 10 children. Whoa. And yeah. yeah. She had, <laughs> feeling the um, pressure and I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She had, my mom did all unassisted free births. So that's very much in my genes to wow. do, um, natural birth and home birth. Um, my grandma had four at home. So yeah, that, that kind of inspired my mom to do it. So anyway, yeah, that's always been what I expected plan to do. And when um, my husband and I got married, we, I wanted to get pregnant right away, but you know, we didn't, we waited for a while. Um, we ended up having taken the pill for about two and a half years before I conceived. And thankfully it didn't, you know, mess things up too badly. We were able to conceive on the third month after getting off the pill. Hmm. Um, yeah. So that was amazing. It wasn't a real hard try. That's so but, good. Yeah. Can I ask you like, what was your age when you did decide to start trying? Baby? I was 24 or 23. Oh. Sorry. We got, we had her when she, when I was 24. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's also good because you hadn't had, you know, you went on the pill for that long and it was still in your early 20s. So that's good because, yeah, it's good for everyone to know, like it can affect very much. Oh, totally. So as you, you know, get off it and for some women, it can take years to regulate your hormones afterwards. And it's just very important that we talk about it because I feel yes. like it's a big hush hush thing in the medical community. And it's just like, there's almost no risk. It's only good. And it's not like there's, you know, there's definitely benefits and there's risks, mm -hmm. you know, and that's some, that's so great that you had no problem after. Yeah. I know. I've heard so many stories of people having struggles and I'm so grateful. Yeah. yeah so uh, my husband, as far as the pregnancy went, we, I didn't, because my mom never did a lot of appointments with, like, she didn't have midwives and stuff. I didn't feel like I really needed to do any of that stuff. I mean, I did a few appointments with the, with the hospital, um, but because we were on a like a low income at that time uh, plan, so they had had me come into the hospital to do those appointments. But I didn't do the glucose test. I just 
I was like, ah, that's, that's not good for my body. <laughs> so <laughs> I just generally kept things more natural. Um, but my husband was thinking his family comes from a more medical background and he was thinking, well, we'll have a hospital birth. I was like, no way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, uh, my parents had had these two books, um, emergency childbirth manual. It's like a police handbook, um, delivery handbook. So super cool. It went through all the different, you know, um, whatever could happen if a policeman had to deliver a baby on the side of the road. Was, is one of your parents a police officer or how did you have that? I I have no idea where it came from originally, (laughs) but it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It goes through everything, um, kind of how to deal with it and just gives you confidence that you can handle, you know, whatever. And then this one was the culture warping of childbirth, which helped. Um, it's just about the, all the stats um, around the world about, you know, the risk of interventions and wow. how it affects the delivery process and, you know, successful outcomes are usually, you know, of course, as far as the hospitals, the baby's alive and the mom's alive. There's nothing else that matters, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. That is, that is definitely the, how they measure the well-being right. of mamas and babies many times. So that book, is that like an up-to-date statistic book or? It's, it's pretty older. I think, yeah, it was, looks like it was in um, 1976. So it's pretty old, but there's tons wow. of, I mean, obviously there's been more C-sections and. Oh God, it's much worse now. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that would be. So right. that's interesting though. That's very interesting. And, and that you had those and that your parents have that. I'm curious about your parents, Anna. I know, Who are your I know. parents? <laughs> no. Who are they? They're not, I know a Gaskin, are they? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Do they no. live on the farm maybe? No, no they lived on a farm. We lived yes. on a farm, but not the farm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Pretty amazing. My dad caught all the babies. So that was amazing. But, but these books were really crucial in helping my husband feel like, oh, there is really good information about doing home birth and it is safe. And this is how I can deal, like handle anything that comes up kind of thing. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was amazing, but near mid to end, like later pregnancy, I guess, probably third trimester, we, I originally was thinking, well, I'll just do what my parents did. Let's do an unassisted birth. But I, uh, besides these books, I hadn't really done any classes or research. So I was um, rather uninformed, unfortunately, as far as, as, far as how much, um, I guess, to what to expect in the process. Mm. So uh, yeah, I just kind of figured, oh, what's natural, it'll just happen. And I don't need to really do that much about prep, prep for it. So um yeah. Anyway, I got a call from his parents and they were freaking out about the idea of us doing um, unassisted and um, we're like, please just tour a hospital. And I'm thinking, no way. I just, okay. Anyway, of course the pressure I'm young. I was like, okay, I'll just tour a hospital, but I knew I wasn't going to do that route. So anyway, just a lot of pressure from people. We were living in California at the time couldn't afford to get a midwife or do a birthing center there. So I um, grew up in Wisconsin and my mom, uh, I mean, sorry, my sister had delivered six children with a midwife. And 
So she, I called her and I was like, can I come to your house and deliver my baby at your house? Cause she had a birth pool and she said her favorite birth out of all her children was her water birth. So um, she said, yeah, come on. So anyway, I went to Wisconsin and the midwife that delivered her children also took me at like 34 weeks. Okay. So that was amazing. Um, yeah. So she took me in and got there. I think I w- we flew to Wisconsin about a week before my due date. My mom had always gone over, so I figured it would be fine. And yeah, so her um, got there and yeah, nothing was happening and just hung out for a week. And then it was near Thanksgiving. She was born on the 23rd of November, but um, our daughter was, and I'd really wanted to go to Thanksgiving because our family had a massive Thanksgiving. I hear and, it's um, big in the, in the yeah. US, the whole Thanksgiving thing. Never been to one, don't really know what it's all about, but I hear about it. <laughs> tons, you know. <laughs> tons of food and yeah, a lot of family hangout. I mean, sometimes it can be stressful, but for us, it was really like the best holiday. Yeah, it sounds like a fun holiday. It sounds like everyone's coming together and yeah, lots of good food. Turkey, yes. yeah, you eat turkey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway. I really wanted to go to Thanksgiving, which I was thinking, can I have my baby before Thanksgiving? I was at this point, I was overdue a um, couple days. So which means you were 40 weeks and some days, which yes, is not really exactly. overdue, but sure. know, let's yeah. play Accord- along with the medical in, system. <laughs> in your mind, you're thinking I'm yes. late. <laughs> but you're so, not. Yes, I understand. Yeah, totally. So anyway, I went to the midwife on, I think, it was a Monday morning and she examined me and she said, you know, you're one centimeter dilated. You're not going to have this baby before Thanksgiving. That was so disappointed. <laughs> so I just had a little cry and, um, yeah, then that day just went on and I was trying to think, is there anything I can do to encourage the baby to come? But that night I had, a contraction, like strong contraction at like 11 o'clock at night. So she said, if anything happens, you can, you know, use some evening primrose oil inserted mm-hmm. vaginally. And then that'll help if everything, if it's already progressing, if there's already things going on. So mm-hmm. um, since I had a, like a pretty strong contraction, I thought, all right, I'll do that. So I th- tried that. And then about 1130 had another strong contraction and they, yeah, just picked up. I mean, it was, it was, they were pretty, I guess, somewhat slow for a while, you know, first babies take their time. So, um, yeah, I had contractions coming and then I called the midwife and she said, you're fine. Just call me in the morning. Anyway, my husband was in bed next to me and he, I was like, I'm having contractions. He's like, I'm so tired. Can I just sleep? And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do this alone. <laughs> but it turned so my sister my sister's house is has one bathroom. And not I mean it was amazing. My sister's amazing, but the setup was a little chaotic. So she had her children there and she gave us her master bedroom, which is amazing. But um they had to go to school in the morning. So I got in the tub in the morning because I was still having contractions. And the midwife came at like, f- like six in the morning. 
but then the kids are coming in and out of the bathroom and then I, my mom's holding up a towel to like <laughs> shield. It's just, it was a little chaotic. Yeah. So my mom was there and um, the midwife brought an assistant and another a trainee along and yeah, it was slow. It just, you know, after a while I could tell something wasn't going well because they we're now we're talking and I'm like, what's wrong? And they said, the baby's posterior. So you need to try some different contractions and different positions. So I did some on my side and walked around a bit. And when, at one point I walked out of the bathroom and I could hear in the next room, some people talking and laughing. And my sister's friend had come over. It was just sort of uh, surprising. I'm like, what are you doing here? Anyway, you know, just just a lot of little random things. It was a great birth in the end, but just funny things that happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, family happening. Life yes, yes. happening. <laughs> yes. I guess that's the thing, you know, what you always, um, what I always say to women and their families, like, you know, if you want to have your kids present, that's great. But like, also know that it can get you know, depending on the kids, mm -hmm. quite rowdy. They might need another person to take care of them and they might need to go away and like to plan around all the people. But that's the thing when when you're visiting someone, you don't really you're out of control of that space, aren't you? It's, yes. it's their it's their space and yes. life happens. It goes on while yep. you're having a baby. Are we yes. at lunchtime now or where are we at in the time? Yeah, it yeah, it was slow. So around uh <laughs> probably one in the afternoon hmm. things I think I started I think I put I got into harder labor about it I think I pushed for 45 minutes so it was a little bit later in the afternoon probably around noon one that, that doesn't um, sound like it was a long labor at all <laughs> no I mean it, it, it felt forever but it wasn't terrible straightforward so like you wake up in the morning you get into the bath kids run around there's a bit of noise and kerfuffle yep. but you sound like you're gonna have a baby soon that's that's pretty yeah. good yeah <laughs> what <laughs> yeah the funny part was when I actually started well so the midwife told me don't push until you feel the urge yeah so I had to use the bathroom so I got up to use the bathroom and then when I was on the toilet I felt the urge and they're like really I'm like yes and so I got in the tub Anyway, during the pushing part, I totally screamed and they're saying like, don't scream. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's like, uh, no, it's fine. It just it's not helpful for your body because it tightens everything versus yeah. if you're she's like, think of a weightlifter. Mm -hmm. You know, they use low tones to open things up and to help mm -hmm. give you power in your push versus the high, which is tightening everything up. Mm -hmm. So that was a learning experience. But after I started screaming, I couldn't you know, I can stop that. So anyway, that was, um, funny, but yeah, she funny was born in about, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the story now is funny. Probably not right. then. <laughs> Probably not no. then you were, yeah. But, um, yeah. I guess it's very, you know, your midwife is very wise there. You know, it is very true that the lower sounds open and like open mouth, open, like relaxed jaw, right. Mm -hmm. Face, all of this informs, you know, your body to relax and open. So just totally right. If you do do sounds, then anyone listening, you know, if you're you know, going to have your baby soon, like any kind of high pitched noises or any kind of, yeah, when you can feel that, like that kind of tension. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. That brings everything 
into contraction, which you don't want when you birth a baby, because the baby's going to come through anyways, even though you're doing those sounds or clenching, like it's going to come out. It's better that you open. It's, you know, reduces the risk of tearing to, to not yes. clench because it's going to come out yes. <laughs> through the clench. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I ended up getting a little uh, tear on my labia. So that was disappointing, but. Oh gosh, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, you can have a tear, even though you, you know, you do all the right things. Like, you know, that's just, we all have different tissues. Babies come out different ways. Some just want to come out in a trickier way and they just, you know, they mm-hmm. do their thing. You know, you can't control that, but yeah. You know, labia tear is nothing. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. So anyway, she ended up being seven pounds, six ounces. And so I guess that's like 3.3 kilos. Okay. Good size so. baby. Nice. Yeah. Not bad. Normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, had her in the water. Yeah. I, um, she came out a little blue. My husband got to catch her, but, um, that was really fun. He said when her half her head came out, she shot out. So he's like, I wasn't expecting the force she would come out with. But <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was amazing. So you say that, uh, the baby was a little bit blue when she came out, but she yeah. was, did she have a little cry or did she breathe? Was she she alert or did she need did the midwife need to help you in any way she she did a little um sucking out it was like suction out of her mouth and think and nose area just to help um but she was fine I mean it didn't take much and then she perked up so yeah but actually being blue is not a bad sign at all like it shows you that your baby has great blood supply like it's you know it's just being blue yeah it's more about like you know when the baby comes out, you can see if it's alert, you know, if mm-hmm. it's responsive, if it has a bit of a tone in the body, if it breathes or has a bit of a cry or something, you know, those are also really important things that you, know, you look at. So it's not just about the color and, and blue would not be a problem at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny because I had a red shirt on and then from the photos, she's <laughs> like, <laughs> looks so contrast so much contrast to me so it's funny oh wow I think it was about 30 minutes after I birthed the placenta came out so that was another interesting experience because you know as a first-time mom you just don't know what to expect I mean I guess I didn't do a lot of research so yeah I was surprised like oh yeah I have to birth the placenta too so that was interesting yeah so I had the placenta in the bath and I didn't I mean, we waited till the cord wasn't pulsing or anything. I don't know exactly how long it was, but um, before we cut the cord, my husband was afraid to cut the cord because he thought, oh, she's just went through so much pain. It'll somehow hurt her. But it was, of course, not going to do anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was amazing. Um, after I had her, I thought, wow, I need some time to, I don't know if I want to do that very soon again, but... <laughs> just totally different than I expected as far as the, um, what it would feel like, I guess. Yeah. So if you would say, what did, you know, 24 year old you experience when you were lying there in the bath or as you were having contractions that, how was that different from what you thought? Oh, I think people told me it would be like really bad period cramps. And I did have really bad period cramps. I thought I can handle this. And of course I can, and I did, but I think the ring of fire type of, you know, when the head's crowning was just, 
I mean, you can't really prepare somebody for it in a sense, because it's just, you have to experience it to go, you know, and it's short, it's not that long, but it's just eye-opening. It's like, wow. I just, I mean, of course, after you do it, you feel like I'm amazing. I just did this incredible thing. And, um, but I think it was just surprising how much more intense it was than I thought, but amazing. So grateful. I wouldn't have changed it. I kind of love that, you know, 24 year old, you were like this, you know, beautiful, naive, amazing, (laughs) you know, woman that's like, oh, it's going to be like period cramps and I can do it by myself (laughs) at home. And I mean, you can, and you could, but I just love that that was how you view it. And then you went, oh, actually it hurt a little bit more than I thought. (laughs) Oh, that ring on fire. You know, I mean, I love that. (laughs) I do, especially in, in our modern, you know, times, like that's quite rare to have that view of birth. I mean, you know, yeah. I was glad you had uh, Amid both there for the first time, though. Yes. Really yes. Wanted. Me too. <laughs> I was glad to. In the end, I thought, okay, this was nice to have a midwife, have some coaching, have an idea of what in the world is going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, I, um, my next, well, I had issues with breastfeeding, but I just, that also I thought would become very naturally. Mm. And, you know, my midwife was like, you know, you're both learning how to breastfeed. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily going to come naturally. Um, yeah. So. I think that's really good for women to know, like for some, it just works. And I've had mamas who've had like, you know, maybe their first baby latched on straight away. They had the best breastfeeding journey, breastfed for two years, no issues, never an issue, had a second baby, that baby never got on right, got you know sore cracked nipples, you couldn't get the attachment and latch and struggled and maybe didn't, you know, end up having more than a few months with struggle and then ending up, you know, choosing to bottle feed. You know, that it's so different because it's a diet, it's you and your baby. And it's not just up to you or like quote unquote your fault if it doesn't work. Like it's you and your baby and, and the baby's journey as much as your journey. And yeah, it, you know, it doesn't always come naturally and easily for everybody. And and I would say for most women who want to breastfeed, if they get the right help, if it is a struggle, yes. you know, for some don't, they don't need help because it just happens and both the baby and the mom, it just works. But for some, if you do need help, if you get the right help, I think most women can actually breastfeed. It's that we have a lack of understanding amongst some midwives and doctors and just not the right help everywhere for all women everywhere, you know, that's why also I think we see you know, some women struggle and maybe not make it fully as they want, but it's good that yes. you bring this up because, you know, it's an important thing to understand just like birth, you know, you can optimize your chances of having a natural empowering birth. You can optimize your chances of having a successful you know, nourishing postpartum and breastfeeding journey. And it does take sometimes like research and, you know, you preparing for it and not yes. just, you know, always winging it. So, hmm. yes. Yeah. I, I ended up having kind of a crazy, I got an abscess because I didn't, do anything about it. I mean, I was trying natural remedies and things, mm. but it was never, um, it was like a soft red spot on my breast and it never went, it was never hard. It didn't have a body. My body didn't have any fever or anything. Was, so it was just really crazy, but I ended up waiting two weeks before, you know, getting help. So waited a little long, but anyway, so that was just, it was another crazy wrench in the story. When yeah. I was about six weeks old, I was in the ER with getting in that 
abscess drained. Right. So that's a good but, side note for anyone. Like always massage your breasts, make sure they are empty when you're breastfeeding, you know, don't let anything yeah. go, like get onto it, especially when you're about to get mastitis, you get mastitis, like you just want to get that lump out or that redness. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But now we're sidetracking. We're going to go back yes. to the birth stories. Okay. Go back. <laughs> so yes. what happened next? You fell pregnant again with your second. Uh, do you want to tell us that story? Yes. So that one was, you know, was a challenge getting pregnant for, I had about, um, we had secondary infertility unexplained, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, so it took about, I, our daughter was about six and a half or around. Anyway, she was about seven when I had the baby. So some point between six and seven, I, you know, got pregnant. Um, and yeah, we ended up doing we tried different medical treatments and things. Nothing was working anyway. We ended up seeing a functional doctor mm-hmm. and doing diet changes and stuff. Um, I love that. And things. This yeah, is so important what amazing. you're saying because like this is where modern medicine fails because they don't yes. always look at those things and, and value that. Whereas functional medicine or integrative medicine or Chinese medicine or just other types of practices we'll see the whole, like the whole person, right. And look at what is your diet? You know, is that supporting fertility? What is your stress levels? Like looking at Mm -hmm. your hormones really. And like, and everything like your D vitamins, all of this is so important. So that's very interesting that you did go that route and then fell pregnant. So you saw a functional medicine therapist and changed your diet and Yep. Did some cleanses and things. Anyway, it was about three, we did a three month program on the fourth month I got pregnant. So it was wow. amazing. It was exactly what we needed. Yes. So, love yeah. that. And again, so, like you cleansed. So again, that means you cleanse your liver because the liver is the one that takes care of excess hormones like estrogen. Like you need a good functioning liver. And again, this mm-hmm. is something that um, birth control can really mess up. Right. So you need to cleanse, like you need to cleanse your liver and and eat liver supporting foods and stuff like that. If you want to get, yeah, we did. We actually ate a lot of um, beef liver as well. And that was to help, but rough. (laughs) Uh, Rough. Anyway, (laughs) I I don't like it, but I I choked it down. Yeah. I I was like, I'm doing whatever it takes to to try and get pregnant. Mm. So yeah, the pregnancy was good. I, and I thought I want to have a and we were living in Colorado at this time and I thought I'd just do a birth in Colorado and I had found a midwife. I didn't do a very good job researching my midwife. I interviewed two midwives and the one I picked was basically off of the first interview. She was, she offered me tea and it just felt, you know, comfortable, comfortable, I guess at that point. But yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I didn't do any real deep check. The funny thing is I did ask them, both the midwives about breach deliveries randomly. Randomly. Yeah. What did that come from? (laughs) You just like had a hunch or something. (laughs) It was crazy. Yeah. They didn't, um, you know, of course in Colorado, they're not allowed to do a breach delivery without, um, it's, it's done by C-section at at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as certified midwives aren't allowed to deliver breach naturally. Mm. So Anyway, that was the answer. And I thought, okay, that's fine. Whatever. I'm not going to have a breach. So yeah, to have my, my regular appointments and. Did you do some more prepping this time around? Did you do any like reading or understanding about physiological birth or 
because the first time you kind of just learned about the emergencies right yes. so what did you did you do something different this time no I still felt like I mean at this point I I was just like I know what to expect as far as the process it's not going to be a surprise yeah um and I didn't do any other deep detailed research besides just my own experience I guess no it's going to be more than I thought more intense than I realized in the first place so I can do this though yeah um yeah I yeah I didn't do any birth classes again or anything but um yes I midway through the pregnancy the midwife had a tragedy where her she lost two family members in the same day um Mm -hmm. in different states crazy so I was feeling like horrible for her and I didn't feel I was already feeling like how I don't love this midwife. I don't know if we have a good connection. I don't know how to break up with her, Hmm. but um, yeah, she had this happen. And I thought, how is she going to be able to support me? I, I feel terrible for her. I don't know how she's going to handle. I'm just having a baby. You just lost people in your life, you know? Yeah. Anyway, it was fine. I mean, the sense of like, she was like, no, I want to do this. I, it's a nice distraction for me and how I mean, I'm happy to still go through with this, but anyway, so come to, I was a day over my due date and I had a checkup. She, um, she checked me and said, okay, you're one centimeter, but then she kept feeling my tummy and kept feeling my tummy. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm not sure if you might be breech. And I'm thinking, that's funny. I've, from my, I had a 20 week ultrasound with my son. And at that point, of course, you know, the baby can flip all different ways. So he was head down at that point. But so from then on, I heard, oh, baby's head down, baby's head down. So I think, yeah. Anyway, I had started having that intense pressure of, um, of my diaphragm. And I know at that, you know, it was, it ended up being, of course, the head. So I, um, just, didn't nothing had changed. I didn't feel any major movements or anything. Mm. And what so, what week were you at this point? I was 40 weeks in one day at All this point. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I was completely surprised. Yeah. Um, so I she said, well, you can get a 3D ultrasound. Of course, if we don't know it's technically breached, I can still deliver the baby. But I was thinking, I'd really like to know if this is a breached baby or not. Yeah. Is she comfortable with breech birth? I don't think so. No. Mm. I mean, I think she would, she would do it. You're, you're allowed to do it if you didn't know it was a breech baby. Right. But like, if it's a surprise in a sense. Yeah. Cause it's definitely something, I mean, it's a variation of normal breech and I want everyone to hear that and know that, Definitely. but that means like, and it is, it is safe to have a vaginal breech birth if you have a skilled professional there, right? Because mm-hmm. most of the time it's fine. The, you know, the babies just slip on out just like a head down baby, right? Yes. In some cases, they do need a bit of help and that's where you need those skills. And I mean, I was taught those skills, but it's so rare to attend a breech birth because of this, like most places yes. around the world. I mean, it's starting to change now because you know, we're bringing it back. Right. But it's still like so many states in the U S and, you know, just around the world. Um, there's only a few skilled people that really see it all the time. Maybe there's breach clinics, you know, where all the midwives are really good at it and doctors, 
But like generally, if you just go into any hospital or just any midwife, it's not skilled in it. And that's why I ask, because I would definitely, if someone's having a breach, I would say, hey, find a midwife who's like done heaps yes. of breaches and is super confident with all of the kinds of complications that can happen. Um, because like most aren't, to be honest. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So I, anyway, I ended up, I wasn't sure what to do, but I got, um, the next day I got a yeast infection. And so I was super uncomfortable and decided to go into the doctor to get that checked out. And they, and then I asked if they had, you know, could tell if I was breached or not. And, uh, they were like, not really. So we, we can get you an ultrasound anyway, got the ultrasound. As soon as I saw the wand on there. Of course I knew I was breach and that was like a lot of stress, I guess, all of a sudden, just because of the way it's yeah. viewed, at least in this state. And from my emergency delivery book, I knew that it's totally fine and you can do it without <laughs> an emergency. You know, I mean, in a sense without, um, you know, naturally you can do it naturally. Yeah, yeah. So I, but just the fear of the sense of everybody around here freaking out and being like, okay. So basically then I talked to my midwife and she said, okay, I can't deliver your baby anymore. You can, um, the doctor said that there's a doctor, this is a Friday. If you come in on Monday, we can try the ECV, the manual turning of the baby. If that doesn't work, then you won't be allowed to leave without a C-section or you can just wait until you <laughs> Oh, I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> Wait, <I was> like, <laughs> you're not yeah. allowed to leave yeah, without a C-section. Like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> yes, exactly. What is that so, language? What? Yes, and then, or, or you can go in to um, just wait until you go into labor and then have an emergency C-section. So those are my options. Okay. And I thought that is not good for me. I'm sorry, I'm not doing this. So I called my midwife in Wisconsin. And I said, "Hey, I just found out I'm breached. I'm overdue. Bye." three days, two days. I'm not sure. Yeah. Three days. Is there any way you can take me? I will come to Wisconsin right now if I need to. She said, yeah, I can take you, but I have other few other births and I'm a little busy, but we'll work it out. Otherwise I have a friend who specializes in breach deliveries. Ah, there we go. Yes. yes. (laughs) So, So she, um, yeah, I called her, or talked to her on the phone and she said, yes, come to me. I will take you. You can stay at my house. Wow. Um, yes. So oh my God, this is I know, amazing. It's amazing. Does feminine spirituality, natural fertility awareness, conscious conception, natural birth and conscious parenting appeal to you? Would you like to be a part of a like-minded community of women who want deeper and more meaningful conversations and relationships in their day-to-day lives? Then the Maiden Mother and Maga village might be for you. In our village, you will find women exploring healthy and natural and conscious ways of living, relating and being in the world. Women practicing their magic, celebrating and honoring their cycles and blood rites, practicing fertility awareness and exploring conscious conception, mothers preparing for and journeying through her rite of passage into motherhood, navigating pregnancy, sharing birth stories, and the early days of her postpartum transformation. 
mothers of all ages carrying wisdom and knowledge, sharing and receiving support and encouragement through the intense and the beautiful times of mothering babies, toddlers and young children. And the magas, the magical ones. She who has claimed her power and become her magic, trickling down her great wisdom to the younger women in the space. When you join the Maiden Mother and Maga Village, you get access to an uncensored and safe online sisterhood community. You get access to monthly live village sharing circles with women from all over the world and live Mama's Q&A with me. You also get access to monthly video lessons and themes to deepen into feminine embodiment, spirituality and sovereignty. You can join our village today and try it out with no risk. Cancel your membership at any time, no strings attached. Find the link in the show notes and I hope to see you inside our sisterhood village soon. So the next day she said, I, I was like, do I need to leave today? Cause I'm overdue, but nothing's happening, but I don't know. She said, no, you can come tomorrow. So anyway, that night I slept terribly thinking of, you know, just mm. what, what ifs, what ifs. Mm. Um, and in the morning I, so I have, um, I read scripture and I got a scripture came to mind. That it was about like, the Lord will deliver you from all your fears. And just, it just gave me so much peace and, um, it was Psalm 34. And anyway, I, after that, I just felt like, okay, everything's going to be fine and got to the airplane or got to the flew there. It was like two hour flight. So I knew if, even if I started labor, I would make it because my work fast, um, got to my midwife's house. And as soon as she saw me, she gave me a big hug and she goes, you look breach. And so it was just comforting <laughs> to be like, oh, you know what you're looking at. Yay. I have somebody who knows her. they can help me actually. That is hilarious. She saw you yes. in the doorway and said, you look brave. Okay. That, yeah. well, she must have an extra vision. <laughs> She's amazing. She, yes, she had, I don't even know how many breeds she's delivered at this point, but it, at that point it was over 500. Wow. So, oh well, yes. my God. I just wish everyone could have one of those midwives at her, at their breach births. Like, wow. What a skillful yes. person. Amazing. Yes. So amazing. So Anyway, she, her house was a little un, under construction, so it was a little messy and whatever. I was like, okay, I need to clean a little bit. So <laughs> did a little, which is good. I think it gives me something to do as I'm waiting for this birth to happen. But um, she checked me and kind of explained the process of what the breach delivery would look like usually. Mm. Um, just that if, you know, at this point I, I was frank breach, so the bottom first, mm-hmm. um, that you're you know, once the, you don't want to push until the bum is filling the cavity, the vagina, I guess. And then, then you can, you know, work with your body and then the legs should come down and then the arms would be across the chest and then they, they would come down. And then of course the head, um, she said she had out of all her breach deliveries, she's only had about five that she's had to go up and sweep down an arm mm. and that her favorite way to do it was in the water. This is really interesting. So you said she's had about 500 breaches, right? Mm-hmm. Only five did she yes. need to assist. Yes. And so this is what we need to understand. And 
and the thing is, yeah, with those five, like she probably really did need to assist them, right? They probably wouldn't come out otherwise because they got mm-hmm. stuck, right? She needed to do something with the arm or with the head, mm-hmm. but that's out of 500. Yes. You know, most, and that's what we need to understand. It is a variation of normal. Yes, mm-hmm. we do need some of that skill there in case, you know, it's good to have that person there. But like for most babies, just like with a head down, you know, it's most likely going to be fine. Yes. Right. And I love that. And I love also the fact that you said that she loves it in the bath. So tell me yes. about that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I guess that she's saying that the, because it kind of mimics the, uh, the feeling of being in the womb, the mm. water, when they come out into the, they're not coming out into the air. They don't get a shock of like, oh, there's something different. And then they throw yeah. up their arms or something. It's just kind of like, okay, this is sort of an extension of where I've come from. It's warm. And yeah. yeah, I think she also added some salts and things to the water to kind of similar to the amniotic fluid. That is so interesting because that is definitely not something that most people would be comfortable with, actually. Like yeah. practitioners I know that do breach, I've never heard that. Actually, the opposite that they say, like, oh, you can labor in the water, but like I I want you to be out. And that's because they want to have control, right? They want to have, yes. they want to see. But that makes sense. It makes very much sense what she says. I really, really resonate with that. And I find it very yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So uh, such a lifesaver for me. Mm. Uh, so then I, uh, all, all day, so it was a Saturday and then Sunday, I just walked around and toured her farm and cleaned up and hung out. And that night I started having back pain and she said, you look like you're going to go into labor. So anyway, she gave me a heating pad and a little massage. It was amazing. And then that night, sure enough, around midnight, my water or yeah, my water broke and I started having contractions, not very, uh, probably six minutes apart, but not super intense. And uh, yeah, I just kept coming and told her and she said, well, just your water, you know, your body's adjusting to the fluid that's leaking and so just keep, you know, having contractions, relax, try and rest. So mm-hmm. try to rest. Yeah. yeah. So slept, slept some more. I don't know. It was, you know, contractions were coming every so often. So it's not very restful, but uh, then in the morning, about five or six, I got into the birth pool or it, it was funny because it was actually a, a feeding trough or a water trough for animals is giant <laughs> black hard plastic. It was great. I mean, it totally worked, but she lived on a farm. So anyway, yeah. that was her, her birth pool. But birth cool. pool. Amazing. Yeah. I do, I'm yeah. so amazed that she would just take you in into her house and like, oh, I know that's so amazing. And wow. So you were just laboring kind of on and off. Did you just have these kind of, uh, in a sense, irregular contractions or maybe every six minutes throughout the night and then did they pick up after a while or did they continue to be like that no, they they were like on and off honestly it, mm. I mean I was every six, six minutes and then I would stop for a while and then mm. they would come and then they seemed to be picking up so I got into the water and then I'm in the water for a little while maybe two hours and mm-hmm. then the uh, two of the midwives showed up the one I had who delivered my daughter mm. and her daughter came uh, who was also a midwife but then after, I think maybe with the change of people coming into the environment, you know, into the space, I just, everything stalled out. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, she said, why don't you go take a nap? So I went to the bedroom and I think I rested for about two hours and just nothing was happening. So but this thought, is also the thing about, like, I'm, I'm so curious about the story. This is why, because breech births are different. Yes. They're not like head down baby births. Like they are, they can be a stop start and they can be, they can feel very compared to like a head down baby sometimes more mild until the body comes out because yeah. it's just, it's just a different birth mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the head is like this big round, hard thing that pushes on the cervix. But if you come down with the bum first, it's smaller, doesn't put up as much pressure. It's just, it doesn't do the same thing. So it's very interesting to hear how, how you're, labor progressed okay so you're having a nap are we talking like lunchtime when you come out again or where are we in your story yeah I was around lunchtime and uh probably a little before I thought this is ridiculous I don't (laughs) want to wait this time like I want to keep this going so I went uh I went out and she said I could walk the stairs she had stairs in her house so yeah, I started walking up and down the stairs. And every time my husband was with me, every time I go down the stairs, I get a contraction. Every time I come up, I get a contraction. Mm-hmm. And, but it was just so slow and nothing very, you know, it was, it just felt like nothing was really going on. So finally, the midwife came to me and she said, you know what? Sometimes these things, they might just, you know, maybe it's just done for the day and tomorrow you're going to have more, or tonight you'll go into full on labor or something. Yeah. So that of course was like, no. And I think I just cried and like surrendered a bit more about like, you know, just disappointment maybe too. Mm. Um, yeah. And then probably 15 minutes later, my body kicked into full on hard labor. So I was like, okay, now you're ready because you let go of control. So yeah. you know what? That's so true. And that's in any kind of labor like that is so true. Sometimes that's what's needed, like a big cry, mm-hmm. a big release. I always say that I encourage the tears, just let them come, just sur- surrender, let go. The deeper you can go in and surrender, let go, the better this, this yeah. process is going to go, you know, for sure. Yeah. So at that point I got into the tub and I, um, yeah, she gave me like massage my back. It was amazing helped me through the breathing and to- coached me like when to let go, like follow the breath down your back. Now it's the contract- contractions over and I'll let it go. Just breathe all the way down and deep breaths. And um, yeah, it was intense and she helped whenever I would feel the urge to push and I wasn't supposed to push yet. She would give me counter pressure and mm. that was amazing. Help relief, relieve some of the intensity down there. Mm. Uh, And then, yeah, I think I pushed, I think there was about two hours between like from, you know, the process of him coming out, Mm. but it's crazy because once his bum was, you know, showing or whatever, she said, you can reach up and feel your baby. So I did. And it was just just like so weird. And then, um, were you in the pool then as well? I am. Yes. Yep. I'm in the bath. Uh, So then as his, after his bum was presented, his legs were kicking inside me and it was so crazy. I could feel it. So that was amazing. Yeah. As he's kind of readjusting and then, um, yeah, his, his legs popped out just like she said, and then his arms next. And then of course his head. So it was 
it was definitely, uh, you know, intense. Of course I felt amazing after like, I just got saved from a C-section. This is amazing. And so, um, but it was the other thing that I found was really crazy. Uh, my placenta, like, so yeah, he came out, um, he was a little bit like chill, not, not majorly crying or anything, but just looking around. Yeah. I mean, he's a water baby came out in water. A lot of them come out super chill and don't have a big cry, but you know, they're alert and Mm -hmm. there, but I just really want to know though. So everything obviously went really smoothly, but I wonder because, so I've seen breach and you know, sometimes it just, it goes in stages, right? So there's the legs. And then did you have different contractions throughout the time you pushed out your baby or was it like, you know, how many, do you remember that at all? No, (laughs) I don't remember. I don't remember, (laughs) but I know it. Yeah. I think, I mean, and there must've been, you know, a difference, like, obviously it's, they slow down as the actual birth process, I think, right. Where you have a little bit more space between a contraction. And when the, when the, when you're, when the baby's body potentially is hanging a bit and the head is still inside. I also wonder how was that experience compared to the first one? You know, when you had that ring of fire and, you know, how was that experience for you? I feel like at, I'm, as far as what I, my notes from, I've always tried to write down my birth stories, you know, shortly after birth, hmm. I feel like it was pretty intense and still um, like almost like two heads had to birth, but I don't know if it really, I think just, uh, yeah, it was still there. There was still the ring of failure, yeah. Mm, but yeah, for sure. I was amazing. I'm so incredibly grateful for the support of the midwife and mm. being able to do that because I just, I, no way did I want to see section. So yeah. Did you birth on all fours in the pool? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the best position to birth. You're preaching on all fours or yeah. any baby really. I mean, all fours is, is great <laughs> for all births, but that's amazing. So did, did your midwife catch your baby and, and pass your baby underneath you to, for you to pick up or? Yes. As soon as um, he was fully out, then she, you know, grabbed him and passed him up between my legs and I flipped over and cuddled him and, oh, so amazing. Yeah. So he was seven pounds, 13 ounces. So it was about 3.5 kilos. So still like a nice size. I was happy with that. I was, my husband's a tall, tall man. So, and he was a very large baby. So I was really grateful for average size babies. (laughs) Very average size. And I mean, that doesn't really matter. You know, you, no, you, it doesn't. you grow the baby that you can birth. Like, yes, if you're a super tiny woman and you have a huge man, yeah, maybe you'll grow a bit bigger baby than like would be comfortable, but you can still birth that baby. Oh, like, absolutely. In, you know, five kilo babies come out as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the funny thing was after he was born, um, the placenta, she, you know, got this placenta and put it in a bowl because she was going to encapsulate it for me, which is amazing. I'd, did not expect that, but I was like, all right, if you think I should take it, I'll do that. So, but my uterus was like popping up. It was crazy. It, 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 I get pressed down on it and then it would kind of move over and pop up and I press down on it and move to the other side and pop up. It was so crazy. So they said massage it. And, and then I ended up getting a bit of a blood clot 
come out, but it was fine. And then, yeah, it just kind of worked its way down, but it was just a really weird experience having yeah. that happen. And that was outside. I was in the, I was in a bed at that point. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. So after your birth, your uterus should contract down. Right. And if you mm-hmm. feel like it is Bobby or something like that, it might be that there is a blood clot or there's something inside that needs to come out for your uterus to really clamp down. Right. And contract. And so, yeah, you put your hand and you feel the top of it and you massage it and that will make you have a contraction and that will contract the uterus and most likely then push out, you know, just like you have, you know, menstrual cramps, that's your uterus cramping, right? Having a contraction actually, like, it's, yeah. you know, we, we practice every month for birth. I mean, it's much more intense than that, but you know, we practice every month having our little mini contractions, you know, which pushes out the blood, right? The, mm-hmm. the period. And the same is after birth, like that needs to happen after birth as well. You need to have those after birth pains to bring the, you know, you just to contract it down. And it's so amazing. Like as soon as you have your baby, it naturally yeah. will shrink down 50%. That's like how amazing. amazing is this? And then in the next week to two weeks, your uterus will actually work its way down until it's underneath your pubic bone in like about two weeks, like That's max, impressive. you know, it's amazing how, how quickly your body does that. It's amazing. Yes. So amazing. Mm. Yeah. So, and then, um, the third time it was a little bit tar- more challenging to conceive again, but we did the functional medicine route again, got pregnant quickly, a little bit quicker after that, but I also ended up having, um, uh, appendectomy in the meantime, and that was crazy. And so I don't know, it was after cleansing and I don't know if that jogged something that was already lodged, but mm crazy. So anyway, after that, I, it was a month later that I got pregnant. So my body was a little, um, there was still healing going on in the yeah. area that did. So how, uh, so how many, cause obviously you had a bigger gap between the first and yes. the second, how big gap was it from the second to the third? It's about three years between them. Okay. So, so. not so far, not but terrible. you, did yes. you breastfeed your second baby for a long time? Yep. And- oh, I, I did for a year. I've done yeah. about a year with all of them, yeah. but my, I think I expected maybe I'd fix the problem with the first, you mm. know, having gotten pregnant again, but then I, we had tried unprotected and for, since like I got my period back around six or seven months, but mm. nothing was happening. So finally around, you know, a little before he was two, I was like, let's try the cleansing thing again and try the diet changes. And cause you know, you, in some ways when you're not used to that completely, and we definitely change things in the future for the future, but not everything was as clean as it had been for, you yeah. know, the conception of the second. So. Yeah, of course yeah. you have to live as well. You have to enjoy life and yes. you know, that doesn't always look like carrots or like salad or <laughs> cleanses. Yes, yes. Like I understand that I'm the same. And I think that's important. That's soul food, you know, and you, yeah, you need a good balance in life. And then, you know, obviously you notice that you needed that cleanse. And it's important to also know that, you know, actually getting pregnant and breastfeeding depletes your body a lot. Oh yes. Yeah. And so with, with each baby more so and more so 
you need to really nurture yourself. And that's why like the postpartum is so important. You know, why in so many traditional cultures, they have really rich, nutrient-dense food that they feed the mother. And like, she's supposed to just rest for the first month at least, if not longer and get served and not have to do any kind of housework or anything. Just to really set her up. You know, yes. because it's you are depleted after birth and and then you breastfeed, which is depleting you even more. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great thing for you and your baby, but it's also like you have to nurture yourself after that to replenish back. And maybe you just hadn't fully done that as well after your second baby, you know? Oh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So the third time got pregnant, um, it was pretty simple pregnancy. I planned this time to go to the back to the midwife because I loved her so much. And, uh, so we had some appointments with her. I flew back and had a couple of appointments throughout my pregnancy and I had done some of my own work, blood work here in Colorado and then everything was fine. So, uh, we, I ended up going to Wisconsin about, uh, four days before my due date because I had already at this point had had two babies that were 40 and six days over. So I figured it's probably my pattern, but I'll go a couple of days before my due date. Um, so we went to Wisconsin and did some family visiting. And she said, you know, when I saw her first, she checked me and said, you know, your cervix is soft, but you know, it, it things are progressing. I mean, nothing's happening immediately, yet, but it'll probably be a few more days before you actually go into labor. I find it so interesting because this is a practice that is not practiced anywhere else in the world. I can't, you know, imagine. I mean, I would never check a woman's cervix outside of labor, you know, if there wasn't an indication that something was wrong and there was some kind of medical reason, right? But just to check, because it doesn't actually say anything. You can be like, you know, fully long and closed and posterior and everything. And then still going to labor, like that has nothing. And you can, and you can actually, especially we had babies before, you can be like three centimeters open and you can go for another month. Like that doesn't tell us anything. It's only in labor that potentially can help with some, you know, certain things, you know, to see you know, for different decision-making, right. In, in labor, but truly like checking your cervix before you're in labor. I don't get that. But yeah, they, I know. But it's they funny. do in the US, or yes. at least they offer. I mean, I, you know, it's only an offer. You can always decline, but yeah, I find it very weird. It is interesting. It is mm. interesting. Yeah. I know. It's just amazing because your body does throw you off because it could be, like you said, it can be so look like nothing's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. boom, it happens way faster than you thought. Or it could be, you think you're going somewhere and then you're, it's still not going to be for a while. Yeah, exactly. And, and as it did, like the first time, you know, you got a bit disappointed because, you know, oh, you're this and you probably won't have it for a few days. That also can happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. And maybe then it doesn't happen for a few days because you got disappointed and got like, you know, felt maybe a bit stressed that it's not happening, depending on which, you know, if you're oh, yes. later in. Yes. And it can cause issues instead. Well, it doesn't really give you anything, you know, yeah. actual true. true information. So I really do encourage women to like reconsider accepting those offers of vaginal examinations before labor. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, I, I, four days. So anyway, I get, I stay with the midwife for probably five days before the baby was born. But so was this the midwife, the first midwife or the second midwife? Second midwife. Oh, okay. my breach. Yes. So you fell in love with the second midwife. Yes. Okay. And you stayed at her house again. 
Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And this time she cooked for us because the first time she said, um, bring your own food and you're going to make your own food, you know, while you're here. But this time she cooked for us, which was totally surprising and amazing. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, four days, I was 40 in four days, I guess at this point. And then in the morning I saw some mucus plug and did a walk and just, you know, had fun with family that day because I have family near the midwife. And then that evening, again, I had more mucus plug come and she said, well, you know, it looks like things are happening. Do you want to take a tincture to, inc-? I mean, it'll only work of course, if, if things are going to go ahead and continue, but if you want to try it, go for it. So I said, yes. So I honestly don't know what was in the tincture. I'm sure it had some black of cohosh or I know that helps things kind of move along, but, um, yeah, she just gave me a little tincture that she made and I put under my tongue every 15 minutes. And so we went, we did that and took a walk, my husband and I, and then about 10 30, I had my first contraction at 11 PM. I had another one and then they, you know, kind of came on continually after that. And so I labored through the night and I think again, it's, it's did kind of quiet down for a bit around three 30 in the morning. And then I took a rest till about five in the morning. And I said, and my sister, one of my sisters had come because I had asked her to be at my birth and she came at around midnight. And anyway, we, we rested. And then after I got up about five in the morning, she went walking with me to kind of be there. So I wasn't alone. Um, yeah. Then I got came back and my son, our son was there. My daughter wanted to be at the birth. So she was, you know, old enough that I thought, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But my son uh, at this point was about yeah, three. So figured he might be a little bit of a handful. So my, uh, his grandma came and picked him up. And then after that, things were still a little slow. And the midwife's like, okay, you need to go into the bedroom, close the door, get into your birthing zone. She's like, yeah. I don't want you to come out until you're in like, just forget who's here get into the zone. So mm-hmm. I went in, um, into the bedroom, closed the door and yeah, it was the craziest thing because I, she had me kind of rest my hands on a birthing ball and sort of on my knees and then leaning forward on the birthing ball and kind of rocking around a little bit and just resting. And after probably 30 minutes, my, all of a sudden I hear this pop, like a cork and it was my water broke. It was just crazy. Cause it's just, yeah, never had that happen. So, so what happened? Did you, did it just flow all over the floor? Well, it was on the bed. Yeah. I mean, we had, like, a, yeah. yeah, so it was on the bed. There was like Chuck's pads and stuff. So it was, but I was like, oh, I think I peed my pants in it. And then, yes, yeah, so I called the midwife. I'm like, my water broke. So they came in, checked and like, yep, definitely water broke. Do you want to get in the tub? And I said, yes. So I went and got in the tub and had contractions in there and, you know, just different positions and, you know, coaching me through the breathing as my, uh, my sister rubbed my back. And And with the water breaking, did you feel a shift? Did the contractions intensify? Yes. Yeah. So now before they were like on and off coming and going, but now Mm -hmm. they got regular because that's what happens when the water spray, doesn't it? It just becomes usually more intense, especially when it's in labor. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that was definitely picked the intensity picked up. And for me, I was thinking, you know, this is 
it felt like, okay, this should be moving along. And she was explaining to my sister, you know, this is now you can see how her back is, um, her tailbone is kind of raised Mm. and you can kind of see, you know, the baby's coming down, but I didn't necessarily feel the difference myself, but it was interesting to hear. Yeah. Um, and she kept telling me the baby's just trying to decide how he wants to come down. So yeah, I did different contractions, but different positions in the tub. Um, at different times, I think I also had, you know, stood up out of the tub and kind of, she supported me under my arms and I would squat down mm. through some of the contractions. To get some and then, gravity. Yeah. Yeah. The thing sometimes in the tub that it's lovely, but it doesn't, you can't use gravity, right? Yes. Sometimes you need gravity to get that baby down. So that's why you want to get out sometimes and get standing or squatting or mm-hmm. doing those different positions. Yeah. And then she had me go and sit backwards on the toilet for a couple of contractions and just kind of with, I guess, using the gravity as well. Yeah. That's amazing. Like that. Move that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it, I think at this point I, you know, then things were kind of, you know, getting to the transition point. So I got back in the tub and she, you know, I did the hands and knees for a while again, and kind of also leaned up against the sort of at an angle. I had my arms on the edge of the tub and my bum kind of floating and on my knees. Um, then the other contractions were pretty intense. And I think, you know, I was getting to the point of where he, I was going to be able to push his head out. So she had me flip over and I could kind of lean against my husband, supported my underarms and kind of lifted me off. So I wasn't sitting on my bum mm. so that I could kind of just sink into the tub and still um, be able to catch the baby. Cause I had really wanted to do that. Wow. So that was amazing. Yeah. And so you then were, kind she of, said, were you squatting then? Is that how you did it? Like against your husband? Kind of yeah. Yeah, kind of squatting and leaning back a bit. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm trying to picture. So you. then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my feet cool. were on the tub floor, yeah. and my my I was leaning back but squatting. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. I get you. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So then she said, "Okay, why don't you reach down and his here? You know, his head's coming." So of course, I I knew his head was coming. The intensity and the ring of fire is always seemed to be there. So I, um, as you know, pushed his head out, which is, you know, this time I'm doing way more low tones and Mm. the, it was really crazy through some of the breathing, uh, contractions by my voice kind of made the water vibrate, which is really crazy because it was really low and like, wow. Yeah. It was fun to see just, it was really working, you know, with my body this time. That's a good tip um, for anyone listening. Like vibrate the water. That's a good sound. That will bring the baby down. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. So yeah, anyways, head came out and um, that was, you know, it's always hard that last, like you have to hold for a minute before you really, you know, when the head's sitting there, it, you can't, it, you know, kind of comes and goes, comes and goes. And then before it actually comes out fully. And so that's, of course, where the ring of fire is, but it is, um, yeah, Ooh, intense. So anyway, I get, I get to catch his head and I'm holding his head and his head's turning in my hands. And I'm thinking, whoa, this is a big head. And then I'm like, this must be a big baby. And then I, um, 
yeah, on the next contraction, I had to push, you know, time or two. And then his body came out. And as soon as like, I got my arm under his arm, under his, um, underarm, I like pull them out of the water onto my chest. Ah, so amazing. And he was a large baby. He was uh, (laughs) nine pounds, 12 ounces. So 4.4 kilos. So not as large as they can come, of course, and everybody can do it who has that. But I was like, wow, uh, I just, I can't believe I did that. Oh my God. So yeah, that was amazing. That is amazing. How was it to catch your own baby? Oh, Oh, just is so cool. I would, yeah, I want to do that again. I, it's just amazing. It's, it's so, I, my sister caught a video of it. So that was incredible too. And I just being able to lift him up onto your chest and you think, I mean, every time I've had a baby, I think we did it. I just tell the day we did it, you know, just so incredible. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. So, yeah. So you're sitting there with your baby. Did you continue to sit in the in the pool or did you get out to birth the placenta? Or no, nope, we stayed in there and birthed the placenta in the pool. And then as soon as the placenta was birthed, then then we got out and got in the bed and you know, cleaned up. And then later we took a, you know, a nice herb bath. But mm. yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So it was that was about. Yeah. Well, he was born at um, 11 in the morning. So actually way faster than my other two births. So mm-hmm. as much as it felt like it was taking a time, <laughs> he did come sooner than I expected. <laughs> so it was nice. Sounds, sounds like a really powerful birth. Yes. Yes. And so did you, because you said with your second, you encapsulated the placenta. Yes. Did you um, do it again for your third? Yes. Yep. Got did that. She encapsulated the placenta. I took it probably for, I don't know, a few months, um, just in a, she has a little schedule, you know, how many you take a day just to help with the postpartum, I guess. I honestly still have some in my freezer from both the births because I had a big placenta with both of them. So <laughs> I still have plenty if I don't know if I can still take it or not. But How do you feel about your breastfeeding journey with all your three different babies? Did you feel like there was a difference between each baby and like how they would maybe attach and latch? Was that a different at birth, for example, or like during your journey? Yeah, it was much better through the second and third. I knew more kind of, I did more research on the breastfeeding, looked up, you know, how are they supposed to actually latch and how do you take them off and what, yeah, what's a good latch and stuff. So Mm. with um, I ended up getting a little bit of an infection with each of them on the same breast that I had the problems mm. with originally, but I didn't, I think the first, the second time I ended up taking an antibiotic, which don't love that, but just in case I didn't want to go down the abscess route. Yeah. Um, but the third one, I ended up having the craziest little bit of, um, it was like, a, I guess a milk bleb it's called on your nipple where it's like a little, almost looked like a pimple, but it was actually milk plugging a duct. So I was able to just use a tweezers and pull that off. And then that freed everything up. So I didn't have to do anything extra um, third time. And he was great nurser. So yeah, everything after that has been great. And I simply love nursing. It's amazing experience. Mm. So yeah, much better after the first time. Beautiful. Wow. 
Well, thank you for sharing those stories. Yeah. Now, if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth, what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? Well, I would say don't give yourself an out in a sense of like, you can do it. Trust your body. Surrender. Uh, the hard painful bring a fire time doesn't last that long and you know your body's made to do it so just know that you can do it and I would say also definitely take you know take the time to recuperate after the birth make your make sure you give yourself time to rest and you know your body to heal I would I don't know I know a lot of different cultures use a lot more time for this but for me, I had definitely hit the ground running way too fast with my first one. And I think if I gave my body more time to just rest and heal, I wouldn't have had so many issues with the breastfeeding process itself. Yeah. So I would say at least two weeks, don't do anything, just rest. And I mean, if you can take longer, of course do, but mm. yeah. And yeah, you can do this. It's your body's made to do this. And I think, yeah, it's amazing. It so. is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I couldn't agree more with you about the postpartum stuff. Like it's so overlooked. And I know that everyone has different opportunities to stay at home, you know, yeah. after, but if you can, like, if you can, then do, you know, say no to all the social engagement, exactly. and, you know, wait with family and friends and stuff and really have, I would absolutely say, yeah, one or two weeks, like maybe even without all other people, just you as, as yeah. a family unit, you rest, rest, rest and eat and sleep and just get a hang of the breastfeeding. You know, it takes at least a minimum of four weeks mm -hmm. to establish breastfeeding, right? Four mm -hmm. to six weeks. And, you know, I would say, especially those that first month, it's so delicate. You don't want to pass the baby around and, and right. miss those cues that where the baby needs to feed, right? Because mm -hmm. then your breast doesn't know how much to milk to make and that feedback loop just doesn't happen. So yeah. it's so important. I, I love that advice. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming yes. on the Natural Birth Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to chat with you and yeah like I said before I love hearing the birth stories that you have already on your podcast it's been so encouraging because I'm 36 weeks tomorrow on oh my, my fourth gosh baby so really you have a fourth yeah. on the go congratulations yes thanks yes that's so are you going back to Wisconsin no this time I thought I don't want to try and figure out three children and traveling so I'm going to try again Unless I need my midwife in Wisconsin, I'm going to go ahead and try here. So are you going to have yeah. a midwife or are you going? Yes. No, I'm going to have a midwife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In my house, but it'll be nice to try another experience of actually literally being home and not having to travel anywhere. So yeah. I'm wow. excited about that. But well, yeah. I think we're so all it's excited. Been encouraging. Yeah. I think it, we're all going to be excited to hear about your fourth then. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. it's a, uh, it's another amazing maybe quicker. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really, <laughs> that's why I think it's going to be just so different because I don't have to, the stress of the traveling and I get to and, and see what it's like in my own environment. So mm, beautiful. Yeah. well, 
all the best. Thank you so all my much. Love and support. And uh, I'll talk to you, I guess, online. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.